You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, we look at the question, do miracles still happen today? So if you look in the Bible, there are all sorts of miraculous and supernatural occurrences. People are healed, they're raised from the dead, and, and many similar things happen. And so the question is, do those things still happen today? Does God still work in that way today? Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, Zach Wyrock, the director of Orchard NEO, which is our church planting initiative, and Mike Holwerda, who is also a member of our leadership team. Our question today is, do miracles happen today? So if you look in scripture and you watch the, the early church develop, it seems like Christianity is accompanied by all kinds of supernatural occurrences, things that... Uh, would not have happened had it not been for the power of God doing something supernaturally. And yet, we may not hear as many stories about that happening today. And so the question is, does that happen? If so, why don't we hear more about it? Or is it not happening? And is there a reason why? So that's our starting point. Okay, I'll jump in. Um, first, you have to define a miracle. I would say, first, every day, every day miracles happen because salvation is always a miracle. Always a miracle when G- when God saves a human being from uh, divine judgment through the sacrifice of Jesus, and the person comes to that knowledge and is transformed. So I would say that happens every day. Now, to the question of whether uh, laws of nature are suspended uh, because in in order to authenticate the gospel or uh, to authenticate a movement of God or uh, as a sign of God's presence, then that's the question we're going to discuss. Yeah, I think it's important to consider your options, right? So either you can say, we live in a closed natural system in which the laws of nature uh, kind of do what they do, and you can never circumvent them. They will always be true. They are always true. Uh, Or you can say, we clearly live in a a system with rules and laws and regularity, that, that, that seems inarguable. But it is possible uh, for the one who created that system to intervene in such a way as to uh, change those laws and rules temporarily. So that under the second view, you would say, if you drop a rock from the roof of a building, it's going to fall. That's the law of gravity. But the one who created the law of gravity could make it float uh, just because he would understand uh, inherently and innately and have a power over the system uh, that he created. I think the reality is if you say the first one, we live in a closed system, uh, then you two things automatically are true. Number one, you would have to say there is no God. Certainly there's no God of any substance to us. So there could be a God who created the world, set it spinning, and then left left it. But that God would offer no he would not be God to us in the way we think about God. You could not ask him for help. He doesn't you, intervene. You could not, yeah, you, you couldn't suppose he loved you or cared about you, was interested in you, uh, any of that. Uh, and and second, you would have to say that uh, life is really nothing but a deterministic kind of loop, that that there are these uh, un, uh, unchangeable, uh, uh, unassailable laws that govern everything about you, and there's never a hope of overcoming them, chief of which would be, for example, death, 
You're going to die. That law rules over you. There's no hope of avoiding it. There's no hope of anything beyond it. And uh, it is interesting to me that the same people who struggle with miracles seem to also struggle with grabbing hold of that worldview. <laughs> so, you know, you you people write books of that way, but you very rarely meet somebody who says, yeah, I don't believe in miracles, but I also believe life is nothing but a deterministic, natural loop. And I also believe there's no God who doesn't care about me, doesn't love me. And some people are certainly there. But I think the average man on the street wants to try to hold on to both of those things. But the question is uh, not whether miracles happen or not. It's whether it's whether they're still happening today. Right. right? Yeah, I just think that that question begins with an assumption, yeah. which is that miracles happen at all. That if you haven't reconciled in your head, I think you're going to have. It's going to be irrelevant to you to ask, "Do miracles still happen?" So. Yeah, I think. Uh, it's helpful to look, especially in the New Testament, of why miracles were taking place, why signs were taking place, and um, they were never an end to themselves, right? So it wasn't like Jesus fed 5,000 just for fun, just for show, but there was always a purpose, there was always a, like a meaning. And so it seems like, well, two reasons, two purposes for why there's a miracle. One is to authenticate um, the message of Jesus, right? So somehow this sign... Um, authenticates uh, the message. And the second uh, is to restore actually the natural order. So God will suspend something uh, the way it normally goes to actually restore that, right? So if someone is sick and he miraculously heals that person, that's a restoring uh, of their health. And so I think if you begin to think about it that way, that um, you may not see miracles in that um, in that sense, but you see God working through to accomplish those two things working to authenticate the message and then working to restore the natural order. Yeah, it is interesting from like the global Christian perspective, if you zoom out, where you yeah. tend to get the most reports of the supernatural happening today are in the situations where that first uh, to authenticate the message yeah. is actually necessary. You yeah, well, I was in India, and that's what they, they go to, into these villages with the India Gospel League, and they'll say consistently when they preach, when they bring the gospel for the very first time to people who've never, ever heard anything about the gospel, there's one miracle uh, that authenticates that their message is from God. Uh, people come to Christ, and then there aren't, there's not a, a, you know, a bunch more miracles. There's an authenticating miracle, and then they go to the next village and because the church has, has taken over them, and, and the transformation of people's lives becomes the authenticator that Jesus has come. So, Yeah, and I think some of my favorite stories of modern-day miracles are in the Muslim world, where right. you have Muslims having dreams where they're being told by someone to go knock on a random door that is random to them and ask about Jesus, and they knock on the door and it happens to be a missionary right. <laughs> who's been wondering, how was I going to engage this largely Muslim population with the gospel? How do I even begin? And here's a Muslim knocking on their door saying, hey, could you tell me about Jesus? And those stories are happening frequently and regularly. Uh, but again, we're at a distance from them uh, because largely here, the message has been authenticated right. and is now, as Joe said, being shown in life to life. But in frontier context, you hear a lot of these stories. Yeah, I remember reading, um, oh, and I forget which, oh, I think it was a, a case for miracles. Uh, by Lee Strobel, and uh, he said that the dreams were so, were happening so often in Egypt that they took out an ad in the paper that mm. said, if you have seen a man dressed in white in a dream, 
call this number. We'll tell you who it is. Yeah. And they were just getting calls all the time and be able to share Christ like that. It's fascinating to see what happens outside of this context. But let's say, okay, well, um, all of us, I mean, everybody has different times in their life. Uh, if they haven't had them yet, they're going to have them, where you will be praying to God to suspend some kind of natural law, most likely uh, some disease that's going to run its course. And if it runs its course, uh, you will not survive or the person that you love will not survive. Um, why aren't more of those things happening right here, right now? Yeah, I think the beginning point, I hope this isn't a cop-out, but I think the beginning point of answering that question is to zoom out a little bit chronologically and say, uh, first of all, the Bible says all good things come from above. Certainly human wisdom and ingenuity is a, is a part of what it means to be made in the image of God. Uh, we have it only because God's given it to us. We're able to exercise it only because in his providence, he allows it. And if you could go back 2,000 years to the time of Jesus, for example, and you could tell people 2,000 years from now, you're going to be infinitely more likely to have a child and live than have a child and die. They would have said, that's a crazy. Right. You know, or you could have said, you're going to have this disease, but it's okay. You take some pills, you know, it'll go away. And that's crazy. When you get that, you die. Or people are going to live till they're... They're 80, they're 90, and people are like, oh, that's crazy, you know? And you realize that in some way, we think about miracles only in the micro level, right? Of like, uh, I prayed for this, and can I get it or not get it? Which is worth talking about. But also we think about on a macro level, where human ingenuity and wisdom has taken us, the medical technology it's given us, is in and of itself miraculous. It is in and of itself a gift from God. And that sometimes if we don't think that way, we we ignore the fact that if miracles are technically being able to supersede the laws of nature, that modern medicine is doing that all the time. Right. And we're only capable. So again, you have two choices. We're capable of doing that because we're just so inherently wise and smart and we should praise ourselves, which again, you could take that view. That is not the Christian view. Or you can say, we're only able to do that because God has put his image on us and we are able to shape and mold and create because that is who he's made us to be. And when you look at it that way, you'd say, wow, Lord, where you've allowed people to go, what you've allowed people to accomplish is staggering if you zoom out and think what would have made sense to someone uh, 2,000 years ago. It doesn't mean the other question isn't worth talking about, but I do think we need to understand that when you go to the doctor and they're able to design a treatment plan that heals your family member or you, that that is in and of itself a gracious act of God right. that we even are able to fathom that. Yeah, I think that point is just worth leaning into because I think behind this question is, all right, I prayed for um, my dad to be healed or I prayed for you know whatever miracle. It doesn't happen. You can begin to see, all right, God is working in other parts of the world, but he's not working in my life. And you can begin to doubt his activity, his work, his power, his love. Um, but then you can lean into those questions that you were just answering about, hey, he is active in maybe more ways than we realize. And so the fact that a doctor can do what a doctor does now because uh, of the education and the image of God in him, that is attributable to God. And so one of the things that I get concerned about when I hear this from Christians is saying this is a God thing, right? So that sort of phrase of, um, man, something dramatic happened, something miraculous happened, and they say that's a God thing. And I get what they're saying in that because they could obviously see God at work in that. But I think when you begin to answer the question about miracles, you want to have um, maybe a more robust view of God's activity in the world and seeing his everyday um, activity and work in, man, we have Tylenol to help ease some pain. That is a way that 
God is actually working to heal us in a really small way, right? Yeah. It sounds ridiculous, but yeah. it, it helps us have a more robust view of God. Yeah, almost his... like a marriage where they're like, the only way my wife or husband shows me they love me is if they buy me a big gift. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, sometimes that is a really effective way of, but like, don't, don't in chasing that, miss the countless things they do for you yeah. every day. And yeah. even if you back away from uh, what medicine does and everything, just the fact that your body heals itself. Your body doesn't heal itself. You know, God created your body to heal. I remember uh, back when I was in college, uh, my roommate uh, sprained his ankle terribly. It was one of those where it popped and it was you know, huge and purple and all kinds of stuff. He couldn't walk on it. And we had a guy in our dorm who was all fired up about prayer and he started coming in every night to pray over Joel's ankle. And <laughs> I was going, okay, you pray for about three weeks. It's going to be better. And he did. He prayed yeah. every day for three weeks, and it got better. But uh, And I, I kind of was making fun of him, saying, oh, well, of course it, it got better. It didn't have anything to do with prayer. Until I realized that if I was ever going to create a world, it would never, ever occur to me to make a creature that would self-heal, that when it got cut, it would heal if it got a broken bone that would mend itself, mend itself stronger. It's amazing what our body does, that our body ever recovers from anything. Every one of those is a miracle because I don't do a thing, right? I don't think myself out of you know, sickness. I don't think myself through a virus. God just pulls us through. So yeah. I and think I... there's something to be said with that. The other thing is perspective. I think, Zach, you hit on something, which just to pull back, um, I always think, and I'm getting older now, um, but I think that uh, I've watched throughout my career um, some Christians hold this life loosely because of the hope they have that this life is just the beginning. Um, and then I've seen other Christians hold this life like it's the only life they will ever have, and they want every single day, every single hour, and they get bitter if they feel like they're denied hours or days or years. And I think um, the former is a better perspective, the former to remind myself, uh, listen, I may pray for a miracle. I may pray for more years. Hezekiah has been dead for <laughs> a couple thousand years. He prayed for 15 more years, got them, but he's been dead for a long time now. He's been in eternity for a long time. Uh, someday, no matter how many years I get, I will be dead for a long time from this life and alive in another, uh, in a more full sense than I ever was when I was here. This kind of uh, discussion reminds me, I don't know exactly how the joke goes, but there's an age-old joke of the person who is stuck in a flood and they're saying, you know what, all right, I'm just going to pray that God would save me. And so like a police officer drives by and says, hey, you want me to pull you out of here? And he says, no, I'm praying that God would save me. And then a boat comes by, says the same thing. A helicopter comes by, says the same thing. Then the person drowns and he gets to heaven and says, you know, God, why didn't you save me? I prayed that you would save me. God's like, well, I sent you the police officer, the boat, and the helicopter, and you just didn't jump in. And I think some of it is an attribution error where there are things yeah. that happen every day that God has his hand in that we, uh, whether it's due to arrogance or just ignorance, we we attribute it to ourselves. And even this happens to us even in outside of the area of you know miraculous healings and miraculous occurrences, but even in decision-making, we might think, God, I want you somehow to supernaturally speak into this decision that I have to make. And then we don't hear what we expect to hear. And so we say, okay, well, I'm just going to then think it through and maybe even look at what the Bible says without 
it triggering in our mind that, okay, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so even in that process, even if it isn't something where you walked outside and a plane had just driven by with a banner on it that says you should make this or that decision, we have been informed by the Spirit of God, and He has moved in that decision. I think this question of miracles really separates into two groups of people uh, in the church who are asking this question. The first one is the person who's saying, how come this happened back then, but it doesn't seem to happen now? How come it happens in other parts of the world, and it doesn't seem to happen now? And the second person who's maybe praying for something in particular and is kind of asking, can I have any reasonable hope that this would happen? And the first group, I would say this, that I think Mike's right. I, I think miracles accompany the message in context where it needs to happen. And uh, I think we're a little bit like a, a guy who is on a football team who never gets in the game, stands on the sidelines and thinks to himself, I thought football was supposed to be exciting. <laughs> I don't feel very excited. Uh, and that's because he's not in the game. I think a lot of Christians live their lives that way. Their faith is a nominal piece of their life. They don't take any chances for God. They're not putting themselves in any awkward situations for God. And then they're wondering why their life doesn't look like the New Testament. <laughs> and yet what you see in the New Testament is that the disciples and those around them are taking the gospel to parts of the world it's never been. And they are risking their lives, they are risking their reputations, and God is there to meet them, and God is there to authenticate the message, and God is already in advance of them. But if we live on the sidelines of the Christian faith, then I don't think we should expect to see the miraculous or be excited or see anything but the nominal Christianity we've accepted for ourselves. I think the fault lies in us. We are not where the action is. On the second group of saying, can we pray for things, I, I think all of us would say, sure. I think. There's nothing we could ask God that would be too big for God to do. But I do think we need to keep in mind, and I go back to this all the time, that the night Jesus was praying in the garden, and he says, if there's any other way, let's do it that way. And God does not give him what he wants. He gets a no from God. And then he goes through the whole excruciating ordeal of being arrested, betrayed, arrested, mocked, beaten, eventually crucified. And everybody looks at him on the cross and says, this guy could not have known God. Because if, if there was a God and that God cared about this guy, this wouldn't happen. And even when he's praying, right, and they're saying, oh, he's calling for God, he's calling for Elijah, he's calling for angels, and they're saying, look, if this God cared about him, he would help him. And yet we know God cares about Jesus infinitely. The Father loves the Son infinitely. And we know in just a few short days, he's going to raise him from the dead. And all of it will make sense. And I think in that experience, Jesus is giving us a template to say, yeah, pray. Jesus, without hesitation, prays. If there's any other way, let's do it that way. Uh, he knows the Father is good. He knows the Father is capable, and he asks. But what Jesus shows us is that even when God gives us a no, it's not because he doesn't love us. And even though everyone around us would say, boy, if that God loved him, or if God loved her, he would give her healing. He would give her this. He would provide that, that Jesus gives us a template that it's entirely possible that God is doing something that nobody sees that is infinitely better than the thing we're asking for. And Jesus invites us to look to him and to trust God for that in our own lives. And I think that's important. Pray for miracles. But if you don't get them, Jesus has shown you what God is doing may not make sense to anyone around you, but it's really great. You've been listening to Church Unplugged. And one of the things we want to continue to do is make the connection between our faith in Jesus and our everyday lives. So if you have a question or topic that you'd like to hear discussed, feel free to email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. And if you want more information about Christ Community Chapel, our church, you can go to our website, which is www.ccchapel.com. Thanks for listening.